Today's guest on episode 11 of the Tone Country cast with Tim Holland is a multi-award winning singer and songwriter who has one third of Australia's most celebrated country trio, the McClymonts, as well as being part of the husband and wife duo, Adam Eckersley and Brooke McClymont. The McClymonts, who we are going to talk about specifically today, have enjoyed incredible success since the release of their debut EP in 2006, with over 250,000 album sales and over 20 million streams of their music. They have gone on to achieve uh, one platinum and two gold albums. Uh, they've received 13 Golden Guitar wins and two Aria Award wins, as well as an APRA Award win. And their new album, Mayhem to Madness, is out this Friday, June 12. country cast Brooke McClymont. Hello! <laughs> that was an awesome intro. How have you been? I've been really good, how, thank how, you. How have you been dealing with COVID-19? Obviously, you recently, you know, had a had a baby. I know. Look, I've been very busy. So we've really, isolation's been, I've been loving it to be honest so we've we had a baby in January Adam and I um so and then obviously the pandemic started so I was like well at least I get to spend time the positive I get to spend time with our newborn son which has been really amazing and during that time we've actually moved as well so we've just settled in we've got Elroy he's all happy Tiggy's moved got her all settled to in the new house we're settled so it's just about now that we're really you know we're in isolation mode and realizing oh wow this is us for for quite some time because we've just been so busy and distracted but um no look we're trying to think positive about everything and it's been it has been great mm. so yeah yeah well I guess you're lucky you sort of haven't been sitting at home worrying about oh my god how are we going to make money how are we going to feed the kids well you know. like 100 percent. i think i thank god adam and i are really good savers um we're great and we've had to go on the rock and roll the so we've had to you know join up to the, the payments like everyone as well to um get us through these really uncertain times and you know we just don't like everyone we don't know when this is going to lift and when it's going to end so we can just Keep positive. Adam and I keep saying, and the girls, we keep going, look, hopefully we can get some really good songs and get creative in this time and, you know, hopefully write some bangers while we're at home. Mm. You are, you guys are putting out this new album on, on Friday. Um, with everything that's happened, not being able to tour when the album comes out and all that sort of stuff, did you consider postponing till later in the year or, or next year? It, it was mentioned with the three of us and Dan, our manager and the record company, we all were like, are we, are we crazy? What are we doing? Like, you know, cause when you, 
when you bring out an album, most people, most artists, don't, you you tour it. Mm. And we actually were meant to be starting touring in May, but that was obviously all moved. So we're so far at starting in September at this stage. That's if it all, you know, I feel like, you know, level, the restrictions are being, you know, we're getting back into size, slowly things are moving forward a lot sooner than I was thinking. So that's a positive. Um, but we did consider not, but then look, the three of us were like, oh my goodness, it's been three years since our last record, you know, and I would, then we started going, but what if everyone starts putting out their records, which is a fair point, you know, at the back end of the year, we're going to probably get lost and, well, you know, yes. there's going to be so much at the end of the year that we're like, I just don't, let's just stick to the plan. You know, we've got a, we feel positive, we feel proud of it. We're positive and we kind of go at the end of the day, we just got to continue with our, with our lives as normal as possible and without ignoring the fact of what's going on, but it's just, it's new times. It's a, we'll never forget this period, <laughs> 2020, the year that was. Mm. Um, and it is like the, like our title of the album says mayhem to madness. It's that was well that we picked that title way before this happened too, by the way. So now that we're going through this crazy COVID pandemic, it's, um, it's quite fitting. Mm, fitting, but not initially inspired the irony. No, exactly. The irony. Yes. yes. I, I think you're right. I think every man and his dog is probably planning to release a new album next year now. I, I, look, and that's what we thought. And I, and like we said, three years in the making for us, because uh, the reason why we hadn't recorded for three years, because we've all had babies. We just, we keep breeding and it's like, stop. We all got to stop breeding. Um, so we were just thinking, we've got to continue with our plans. We can't let this thing stop us in our tracks of what we, we need to do. And look, it's going to have an effect. I, it, surely but hopefully it'll you know people will go out and support it and buy the record and you know I think right now with it what what's going on you know hopefully a whole of Australia and the people you know are missing the arts and realizing us Aussie acts you know when you know we need their help more than ever I guess with people with the support of music and um because I can tell you it's living in our lounge room at the moment and you know watching Netflix and Stan and you know listening to music music it's like we are such a big part of everyone's life and I just hope people realize that during this really strange time you know fairly obvious that people do want to go out and see music again and and that's that's a good thing and and they do want to listen to music and um you know uh your album is one of the Pretty much the only one. I, I, I think a couple of US artists. <laughs> that's coming out. It's coming out. I'm, I think there's a couple of others in July, but, um, you know, you, I think you're the first local act to. Wow. Barnes might have put one in back in April. I mean, that's it's quite a, quite a you know, time between it's a, country albums. It is. It's scary. It's, it is. It's look, it's someone's got to be the first cab off the rink, right? And continue with what's going on. Because really, when is this going to end? We don't know. And it, and the thing is, do we wait till it's happened? And I just, I feel like we just got to kind of not ignore what's happening, you know, but at the same time, it's like, we've, we're ready to go. Let's do it. We've, and we're hoping that we can get back on the road in September. I'm, I'm hoping it will happen. Um, but again, we'll just see what the, what, where we're at with the laws by that stage. And it looks like, looks like in July, uh, there might be up to a hundred people, um, you know, uh, and the, so hopefully by September, you know, by five hundred people. I guess, I guess the, you know, the and then it's that is are people going to come? You know, mm. it, where's where's the line drawn of, you know, people coming out? 
I think they will. I mean, if you look on... I I feel they are. If you look on Instagram... Restaurants are being booked out at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. If you look on Instagram, people breaking social distancing rules every minute. (laughs) Honestly, I haven't stepped outside of our home only to go to the shops. I think I've done it twice. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, stay on your sticker. You know, it's like, because it is, I just want this to be done. I want it to go away. I want us to, because I feel like our industry, we are going to the last cab off the rank to get back to making money, getting back to feeling somewhat like we've got a job again. And it's like, please, everybody, you don't realize the impact. We were the first to go down. We were the first brick to fall, really, when this all happened. Mm. And we're going to be the last off the off the cab rank. And I'm like, I really just want everyone to do as they're told, you know, please download the app, do whatever you have to. If you're on Facebook and you're not downloading the COVID app, you're silly, please just do it because they've got everything anyway. And I want people to know, exactly. you know, you, I want to be told if, if you've been in the hotspot or whatnot, I just want it to be done so we can try and get back to somewhat normal. I don't think it'll go back to what it was, but I just want to, I want to get back to work. Hear, hear, <laughs> hear. Um, you, the three sisters, you, you all grew up in Grafton. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about that. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you had some, what of an, you know, musical upbringing. Um, we didn't, we actually didn't. Mum okay. and dad were, had no musical talent in their bodies. They, they actually, we actually thought at one stage we were adopted because right. we heard them sing one night at karaoke and we were just like where what what the so we don't know where it comes from dad reckons his like great grandfather could play the fiddle and mum's like oh I can sing all right and we're like no you can't but um we just mum mum and dad just really nurtured our talent from a very young age and just you know instead of they never looked at music as a hobby they were like you can do this you know as as a as a career and so from a very early age we respected music straight up and going we can make this a thing it wasn't you know you hear so many stories too of oh no mum and dad I had to have something else a backup plan and you know I needed a trade behind me and so for us it was like oh our parents were never like that you know we we had their 100% support from the very get-go and they really just nurtured our talent. So did you sing together as a trio a lot as kids? Not to begin with, like we would sing. I remember at the time we would all sing unison. We we didn't know how to harmonise when we were really little. But the beauty of back then when mum used to take us to Talent Quest, we had all those time, all that time in the car. And back then we used to bring our tapes. So we put the tapes on and we just would start singing there. I remember Molly and Sam would sing the same harmony note and I'd sing melody. And then I can't remember the transition of when the two, one of the girls started doing the third you know like the three-part harmony I just remember one day it just started happening and I was like wow this is we can we can do three-part but I was I'm a lot older than the girls I don't know if people know that I'm a lot older than the girls so they keep me young I I'm about five six years older than Sam so I'm six five years older than Sam six years older than Molly so I was going through high school and so I actually ended up having a bit of a solo career Mm. before the girls which 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 we're going to talk about in a sec yeah no worries Mm. I can talk about that but to get to where so the going back to your question the three of us girls we did sing together like as fun and we did in talent quest but it wasn't really our main focus I guess at the time it was kind of like a real treat when we did do it. it it was a 
I think to get us three together at the time, we used to go, oh, we've got to sing together. Okay. But at the time I was really loving singing on my own as well. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, I remember going to a showcase that you did. This would have to be nearly 20 years ago now in Ultima. Yeah, I know. So this would, would have been a showcase for when you got, so you got signed to Universal as a solo artist. That's right. And, and you put out a, a couple of songs. And I do, I remember you did a showcase in Ultimo and everyone was there and it was wow. fantastic. And then you then you put out your debut single, a song called uh, I Can't Wait. Yes, um, yes. And Hilary Duff actually ended up yes. recording that song as well. And she did and I didn't know that at the time. So I'd brought that song. So when we released that song, it, it was my single and then I got a phone call to be honest I don't know who it was might have been my publisher at the time going hey Brooke did you know that he, there's a girl called Hilary Duff and I had no idea who Hilary Duff was at the time remember I was about 20 years old when I released my first single so I didn't know who Hilary Duff was and when I heard what she'd done the lyrics had been changed for her and I hadn't approved that I hadn't didn't know and I and at the time I'm like someone's stolen someone's stolen my song and they've changed the lyrics mm. and I don't know what the, this is meant to be anyway we went around long story short, into, I know a little bit <laughs> and at the time because I didn't know much about how it all worked back then too I was really new to the industry and then the two the two fellas I wrote it with, Matthew Gerard and Christopher Ward, he wrote Black Velvet, um, they had rewritten it. I was still on the co-writing credits. I still got paid. They just said, we've just bypassed you. You live in Australia. We were having right working directly with Hilary Duff at the time and the producers of the Disney show. I think it was called, was it Hilary Duff? Lizzie McGuire, sorry. That was the show. And they were doing a movie and – this song was perfect for them. And look, I'm so thankful because I think it paid for our wedding when Adam and I got married. I remember getting a check, you know, of, from not my version. <laughs> my version didn't do great. Hillary's did fantastic. And yeah, it paid for our wedding. And it's actually had a resurgence like this year and it's making a comeback. So Hillary Duff, she's, she's got a, she's big pool. Fantastic. Over there. So that song's, Done, have to start has, sending a Christmas card. It's been really great. Yes, it's been, <laughs> I should actually. I really should do that. <laughs> so, so you put that song out yourself, and another song called "I Don't Think I Know." Um, yes. What was that experience like? Obviously, I'm guessing very different to now. You were younger. It was all very new to you. Yeah, and I didn't have much control over it back then. And I was one of these artists too that was happy just to do whatever I was told to do. Mm. So I really wasn't in control. Like I, did, I wasn't steering the ship at all. There was a lot of input into my career early on. And at the end, I, I'm happy it happened like that. I learned heaps from it. I learned, I found, I learned to find my voice through all that of if I didn't like it, you know, or I did like what was happening. And then when the girls and I finally eventually, you know, formed as a band, I had learned so much from that solo project that, I took in and being older as well, I, I had um, taken on a lot more from there to, to speak up and say, ask what I want. But having said that, having the girls with me, with three of us, I don't know, you have more confidence and you, you feel, you feel like your voice is being validated with the three of you. Whereas when you're on your own, when I was doing the solo project, I, 
I, I didn't speak up a lot because I didn't have anyone to to shoot those ideas through mm. where the three of us girls it just it's so nice to have the support I guess and 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 it's, that's why it's worked because if two of us go, you know, oh, no, or one of us is not sure about something and the other two go, no, 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 it's all good. Here's the reasons why you go, oh, okay, cool. You've covered that. Where I feel like when you're a solo artist, well, I found I just, and I'm not very confrontational either. I, I just kind of went, oh, well, it is what it is and I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to cause cause any drama. I don't want to be that person. And so I really just left it as it was. But I learned heaps from that time from memory you were kind of being positioned more more pop than country pop, yes yeah. and i and i went along you with went that. along with that you i know, did rather than, and i was yeah yes well and i was happy to do it because i did love pop music mm. and i did love the crossover pop like i grew up listening to shania twain you know trisha yearwood faith hill the dixie chicks like they were really huge at that time when i was coming out and and again, listening to record companies going, it's you're going to be a crossover success like Shania, like Faith Hill. And knowing, not that they said that was going to happen, but all we've got in our industry, I guess, is hope. You, it could happen or, you know, you hope it will happen. And it never did. And I wasn't disappointed by that at all. But I started to realise this is just a number. It's all a luck. It's all a timing thing. It's being at the right place at the right time, making sure you got the right song. It's always about the right song as well. And I remember when I did come out in that solo time, there was Avril Lavigne, Vanessa Carlton and Michelle Branch. Well, we were all the same and same age. And, you know, it, I just got lost in translation, I guess. But I, at the same time, it really set up you know, I guess the three girls and myself as well. Mm. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed my career. I haven't regretted one step along the way. It's, I've learned from every from every episode you could say, or every step I've learned from something from it. Mm. So there was a period there where the three of you were doing your own thing. Uh, Sam obviously won Star Maker a couple of years later. Molly, I think, was a finalist in Telstra Road to Tamworth. Tels what was the thing that kind of made you decide to stop doing that and become a trio well we always said that once molly finished high school we'd we'd love to get out on the road and do the trio thing like try it out and then it wasn't until sam won star maker and she then she got to sing at the golden guitars and sam had asked molly and i to do backups for her that night so we did and then lee kernigan called us i think the next day and said hey girls you guys should do, i heard you sing we said why don't you three do this together like so we'd always talked about it, but we never had a reason to to do it. So Lee kind of planted the scene, said, I'll give you my whole Outback to Beaches tour. It was and that back then he was touring six nights a week. And it was an 18th month tour. And he said, You can have it, but I want you three girls to 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 sing together. So we went, yep, done. So we went in the studio and did a five-track EP. And the rest is history. We went around with him for 18 months, played to his crowd and our career started there. He basically, I reckon, saved us three to five years of touring on our own, trying to get our name out there on our own. And we just, we were killing it all across Australia with him. He just, it was just a really, it was a great tour. Lee has helped our career. So in so many ways, he was there from the beginning. Mm. You could say he kind of kickstarted us. Yeah, really. I, I remember the first time I saw you guys was, on Lee's tour, I think it was the Vinegar Hill Woolshed out in Windsor. It's not wow, called that yes. now. It's, 
yes. That, that's where it was. And you did three songs. And, and, and yep. I, what I remember about that was how polished an act you already were. And I do have this thing where, you know, I think first impressions are really, really significant and, and make a big difference. And there's a lot of artists that go out and play in front of people before they're ready. And it makes not necessarily a good impression that lasts. What, you know, really stood out for me was the fact that you guys went on stage and really delivered. It looked like you had been performing for years together and obviously your sisters. So you had been, so, you know. And and we had been performing for years. That's mm. the thing. Like, even if it wasn't together was individual but I do clearly remember we had to we, it was five songs I remember it was five songs because we loved it it was like it was enough because when people are seeing you for the first time people get bored and if you're not good they go oh I'm so disinterested I just want the main act to come on so we really wanted we, that was that was very well thought out on our end that we wanted to make sure that we had the five killer songs off the had an EP ready to go so we could sell because I think back then he um, Lee was paying us 50 bucks for the whole three of us to play and we could keep our merch and I think we're selling our EPs for $10. And from the very first moment, I remember we played at Orange was our first gig with him, played our five songs. We killed it. Like there was a lot of rehearsals. Us girls practiced. You're right. We did. We were polished. We made sure we nailed segues. We did it properly. And then I remember we sold 70 CDs at Orange for the very first night. And so from there, we're like, great, you know, split $10. So that's 700 bucks, you know. That's a lot of money for the for the three of us for the night. But then the next night we sold 90. The night after that, we started selling up to 200 CDs per night. We couldn't keep up with the orders at the times. And we that's when we started to go, we're onto something here. And I kept saying to Lee, hey, mate, keep giving us 20 minutes, the five songs. It's perfect because people weren't getting bored mm. and they weren't, they wanted more. So I really thought that method was actually perfect. And we try and keep that now, even when we tour now without with the support acts that we try and do is when people haven't heard them before give them those five songs go out and nail the get win the audience over and if you're good they'll go they'll want to hit they'll follow you forever and mm. that's what we found Lee's, best, Lee Kearney best is to do that rather than wonderful. then start doing Sweet Home Alabama or Taylor that's Swift right covers, yes you know yes and we we had to do 40 minutes open to open up for 40 minutes we found we didn't sell near near enough or we didn't have the same impact because I think people were bored. You know, they were like, who are these new people? Who are these girls? What are they doing? And so we were just like, nah, short and simple, get them in. And then we've just had Lee's, you know, we've built our, our audience and our fan base pretty much from there and it's just grown, which has been fabulous. Hmm. So you released the EP. Um, you then the following year put out your debut album, Chaos and Bright Lights, and it was a gold album, which obviously... Back, back when people bought CDs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, the, you know, one of the things, I guess, you know, what's happened recently is the unfortunate, really, really sad advent that CMC is not going to be oh, with us as of the end of June. And it was interesting. At that time... Um, Really, CMC was the only outlet for, you know, contemporary mainstream country music. There was a couple of regional stations that played probably more traditional stuff, but there wasn't a Kicks, there wasn't Triple M Country, there was, you know, iHeart, there wasn't any of that. It was 
CMC and and um, so you know you guys, I guess probably got a gold album off the back of that support, but then also that touring credibility that you had. Yep. You had already. We did. And we had Universal Records too, well and truly behind us. And I think we were the only country music act. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of this, were at from that memory. Time, yeah. I think we were mm. at that time. And they really, and they gave us a lot of freedom. They kind of let us pave the way a bit. And, you know, we were allowed to experiment a bit. But I think you're right with the fact that Lee Kernigan gave us, we were out there being exposed to his fans. Then you're right, the, the platform of CMC, we were on you know tim gave us the mm. go and just played you know because when you talent, that's the only way that new talent could get through was on cmc and people finding out about that so you're right i think at the time too and we were the dixie chicks had been they were there and we were kind of probably one of the since a long time i know there's been many groups in the past going back in australian history you know like that have come through but i think at the time we we were doing pop country as well which wasn't I think we just were, we were ready, fresh. I think mm. Australia was ready for something fresh at the time and we were ready to go. And yeah, it just, it really just worked. We continued it. So when did you go overseas? I mean, you toured with Jason Aldean um, at some point. Was that, was that after the first album? So we brought out in 2009 or 10 was the Wrapped Up Good, our second album. And mm. that was huge. Like we were Number touring. Number two, all genres in Australia. We would, yes, we were touring, I'm pretty sure, five to six days a week ourselves back then. We were touring everywhere. I remember we weren't at home because Adam and I got married in the 2009. And I remember I didn't see him at all in the first year we were married. So I, I ended up, so we were going back and forth to America at that time. And maybe it was 2011 we ended up going on the road with Jason Aldean or it might've been 10, 11. And yeah, we, we actually were the opening, opening act. So we were the first on the 20 minutes and then Luke Bryan was the support act and then Jason Aldean. So we were really in with the big wigs over there at the time. And we ended up touring with him for about five weeks. And, I, and the, a lot of people over there actually thought that we were signed because we had the bus. We, mm. even though we we're funding it all ourselves, we kind of, um, yeah, we kind of just went over there and we'd obviously been performing for so long. So we were, like you would say, polished. Yep, we got up and did our, it was like we went back to the Lee Kernigan days, you know, where we're like, oh, this is great. We don't have to do 20 minutes, the three of us. And and we're getting a really good, we were getting a lot of support and following from a lot of fans. And, and then we came home and, I mean, I was in my late 20s by this stage and I was ready to start a family. <laughs> and we it was like, it kind of, just stopped everything I guess in America at that point because I was I kept saying to the girls I wish we could have done this back when I was in my early 20s because I I it would have been completely different but they were 14 15 and it was just never going to happen and then so everything happens for a reason we had the best time it was a great experience and I and I have no doubt that the girls and I could have forged a career in America it's it, you just had to do the time over there. And at mm. that point in my, in our lives, we just, we didn't feel like we wanted to invest another 10 years. Mm. Which, which would have career. had to have been, you know, it had you to have be. to and that's go how and live over worked. there and, you know, it took more you know, than 10 years. On... It's taken, you know. Um, yes. And I didn't, and I didn't want to miss out on kids, mm. you know, and I didn't want to be that. And I didn't want to have that regret. And 
I feel so I feel so comfortable with the decisions we've made. We all came at, we all made sure that we were at peace with it going. If we don't get signed when we had this, you know, we were going over to sing in front of all these record companies and we said if we don't get signed after this this trip, we haven't failed. It's just not it's not meant to be. And we didn't get signed and we were really at peace but we had to go. That was our main thing. We went we tried this. We lived there for 12 months in 2010, 11, too. And we really like doing the tour with Jason Aldean, doing all the county fairs. And we just went, we weren't, we weren't even hitting the surface of, you know, of how big that industry is over there. And you need money behind you to, to get you on radio. Like you need millions and millions of dollars, even before you're anybody over there to get you into radio. So learning the game for us there, it was like, this is going to take us a lot longer. And we just didn't have, we just didn't want to, I guess, invest that much time, especially when we had built up such a great audience and fan base here in Australia. Cause you know, we didn't want to lose that either. So that was our, I guess that was our um, decision that we made back then. And I don't regret it still to this day. I'm completely happy and so fulfilled. And I feel like we're so successful and, you know, success is on many different levels for people, but we came to peace and go, no, we've, we've got a great life well, and we're in I control of it too. One thing we want earn a reasonably comfortable living being an artist. That, that is absolutely successful, you know, because that's what we, and that's what we based it off. Mm, and you, you, yep. you guys have, have absolutely done that. Um, the next album, Two Worlds Collide, was another gold album. Um, so were you and Adam dating by then? That was what, 2012? Oh, we were married. We were married were by then. Married so we then? were married in 2009. So that's what I'm saying. So when Adam and I got married, we hardly saw each other at all in 2009, 2010. Come 11 and 12, so we were doing back-to-back. We were really like, if we were, one year we were touring, the next we were doing the album, you were writing the next album then we toured that you know how the cycle goes it's just one year blah 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 and we were just like oh my god we're so busy like this is never ending and we're doing America back and forth and then I come home after that trip from America we had a massive tour booked in America um for the 2012 that's right 2012 we had a five-month tour booked through the colleges that was just colleges alone this is what I'm saying the 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 enormity of this, of America, where you can play, it's just, it's endless. There's, it's, you can play every, you'll never not play somewhere over there. It's just, oh. it's so huge. And I found out I was pregnant with Tiggy in 2012. So we had to can the back end of 2012 because she was born in November and we just never went back because I'd started a family and things were really kicking off for us still in Australia at that time too. And we were all really, you know, I guess we were at that point of finding the work-life balance, which we've continued to this day with having kids and mm. still hold holding the career down, I guess. Mm. Um, during, you know, the time as a band, you guys have gone off and done, done other things. Um, Sam has been a TV host. Um, She's you so were, good at it too. And you were in a movie. I, I haven't was seen too. this movie spin out. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. It was a great experience. I'm not an actor. I did a terrible job. It's something that I've ticked off the bucket list, mm. but um, I was playing a pregnant bogan 
and so I had to put the belly on and everything. I actually looks it suited me to be honest. That's really I felt like I was playing me for there for a bit, but it was great. It was a great experience. Um, I don't know how well it did. It was an Aussie flick. I'm sure you could look up on Stan or Netflix or something, and it'll be there. But spin out. It was great. And and has do you think that stuff has helped build the brand for the McClomots? You know, Sam doing TV, you doing a movie. Um, has that sort of been the was was that um, a motivation for doing that stuff, or did you just want to do it for fun? I I wanted to do it for fun, and I was asked to do it, and I've always been told you should always say yes. Mum always said just say yes, like you know that movie Yes Man, just mm. say yes, because you just never know what comes out of it. And if you don't like it, you'd go through it and you did it. You'd have to do it again if you didn't like it. So I just wanted to take on the. I just wanted to do it because I was, they wanted me and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's try it out. I was terrible. It's nothing. I, I have a lot more respect and for, for actors. It's, they were long days and I didn't even have a big part and I felt like it went forever. So um, yeah, it's an experience that uh, I'm pleased I did it. But yeah, also to the three of us girls, we've always kind of, you know, we've got our music, which is great together, but we have wanted to venture out and do different things, I guess, you know, individually as well. Um, I think it's healthy and it keeps things interesting as well. So Sam doing the, I know she loves, she's so good at the TV thing. And, you know, I, I, I'm actually, I like to do anything. I, I love radio stuff. I like to talk on radio. I like to, yeah, I wouldn't act probably. It's not something I get into, but I wouldn't say no again. Um, yeah, you've, I, you've done hosting, the three of you. Yeah, hosting, host, I know, hosting. awards a number of times. That's right. That was really fun. That was scary, but it was fun. It's good. It's good to have a new challenge too. And like I said, it just keeps things interesting. And that's why you never get bored in what we do because every scenario is different. Mm. Now, let's talk about the album, Mayhem to Madness. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing you would have been pregnant while recording this album. What, what kind did. of challenges was, did that present? You know what? This was the hardest album I've had to sing on because singing is really comes quite easy to me. Like I, mm. it's not an effort. I just, I'd love it. And it's, it's my, it's old hats, what I know. And, but this time, because Elroy, my son, he at the time was breach and we didn't know what we were having at the time. So I was just like, this baby is just really sitting on my diaphragm. It's like, it was right up under where I had to sing. And I just remember saying to our producer, Andy Mack, I'm going, I think this is going to take a really long time to get these takes. I said, I just, because I was running out of breath and I was really big. I was seven months pregnant and I just was like a massive whale. And I'm going, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to hit the notes either. Cause I was so scared. There was a few high ones and I'm like, what if I break my, like, cause I was trying to use my diaphragm, but holding the bait. Like I was trying to hold him going, Oh, please don't come out now. I just, <laughs> This is going to be uncomfortable because I was so stressed and I'm going, and then I started getting sweaty and like anxious because I'm like, what if I, what if I'm not going to be able to sing this record? But I did. It's got a story to it. I, I've, it was a challenge. I, but I love all the songs on the album that we've made for this record. And it really reflects where we're all at at the, at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. You guys seem to complement each other really well when you sing. I think you spoke earlier that you sort of worked out how to sing together. Is that kind of, is that kind always of how been like that. worked out, you know, rather than it's you sort always of been like that. To... I remember a specific time traveling to a talent quest when the girls and I, I know I spent 
we finally got that three-part harmony. Well, I didn't. The girls did. Oh, they take all credit for harmonies. I'm I'm not a, the greatest harmony because I haven't needed to be. Mm. So I don't focus on it. But the girls were so – and I just remember going, how the hell do they lock in and, like – it's like we're like this constant, but that's that's all them. They just, but they follow me, and I've they've said over the years how because a lot, you know, they're asked the question, how do you follow? You know, you come off with the same phrases, and you know how to do this, and the girls always just say they just follow my lips. They go, we can just follow, but we know what she's gonna do. I don't know. It must be a sibling thing. Mm. I, I I don't know how they do it, but I I'm not taking any credit for the harmonies. That I give that all to the girls because they it's such a hard job when they do. I think they do a really brilliant job about it absolutely do uh one of the songs on the album wish you hell t- tell us about- <laughs> everyone keeps talking about this one yeah. i love it t- t- tell us a story about this one well this was written with phil barton and Lindsay rhymes it was um look i had a girlfriend we're at that point now ads and i where a few of our friends are going through breakups we're at that period there's some are, you know some are falling off the perch and it's pretty mm. sad actually the first and, phase but if, of for whatever reason it is it's that next, mm. right and so for us we this one of my friends in particular she's been with her husband for 18 years he's done the dirty on it done the wrong thing had an affair and it's just been devastating but she has been so amazing through this whole process she hasn't she hasn't taken on the victim she's just been like oh well this is just what happens I mean they've got three children together I was just looking at her life going how is she keeping this together like she's putting on a obviously a brave face or this is actually this is her and I was kind of I was really kind of admired her for it I was just going wow how you know you try I was trying to think how would I be through this and you can't I don't know I'll never know if unless you're going through it right because you don't know how you're going to react in until you go through something right so I was I thought okay the girls and I haven't written a sad song or a breakup song for a a lot of years because we're not in that position anymore we're all happily married and I just feel that I can't write a song that's you know, that I can't sing about a breakup because it's not what I'm going through and I don't believe it and no one will believe it. Everyone knows I'm married, right? So I, this particular song, I was like, I need to sing this. I need to write this for her. I need to. I need it to come, even though it sounds like I'm going through, I'm not because I'm obviously explaining the song and we're doing the show. But I needed to explain it from her point of view because this is how she really was. She was just so lovely. She's like, you know, um, have a good life I hope it all works out all right and in good good time because she was just so sweet I hope you treat her well and then I just had to say but I just don't because she would say and I wish you well right I know she would be like that but I went I've got to put my spin on this if this was me I think I'd want to say I'd, I wish you hell because <laughs> I would just be so furious and just sad and upset I don't know how I'd feel but you know what I mean I was trying to think that so my little spin came in with the wish you hell part I was just like I'll give her all that, the whole thing. She's just been so lovely about what's been going on in her life. And, yeah, i just like, nah, I'd have to say I'd wish you hell, mate. So that's how that song came about. So this is, what, the sixth album you guys have put out? Yes. Mm-hmm. How has your approach changed from that first record to, to making records now? Yes, 100% it's changed. Yes, we had all the time in the world. Like we used to go to America to record our albums back then. You know, no kids had all the time to focus in on on the music and writing the songs. I mean, that has not changed, the writing and the focusing on all the songs, but trying to juggle kids. Like half the time the girls and I recorded, we'd re-record separate because, you know, Molly's in Wollongong, I'm 
I'm mid North Coast, Sam's um, Queensland. We're all over this, all over the shop, and we're just like, okay, we just got to kind of, you know, be a bit more organised, I guess, and time timeline and frame it better. Mm. How many songs do you write for an album project? We've usually got about twenty in the bag, and we kind of know from that. We kind of do know the 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 bulk of the album you know, leading probably quite before we, like a long ways out before we record. Um, the, the, the three of us girls, you know, we can usually pick the first seven. There's, it's usually, oh, yeah, they're, that's great. We agree on the seven. And that's those last three or four. However, you know, until you figure out how many tracks you're going to put on the album, this one in particular, the new one, we've we've settled for 10. And we put a cover on this one as well because we would, we'd never recorded a cover before in our albums and we just were like, oh, everyone responds so great to Fleetwood Mac, Little Lies that we sing with the harmony. So we just thought we'll put that on this time. So we kind of just had to... We've kind of rocks is a paper the last two for this album that we all weren't sure on, and whoever won, you know what I mean? Because it's it was just like that's just how we solve stuff, I guess. The three of us girls. I wasn't. I didn't bother me. I wasn't gung ho and not like having a song in there that I didn't want on there. I was like, oh no, I don't mind that. If we can come up with something better, let's do that. But if we don't, that's actually great. But we end up finding something better, and yeah, it's a great ten bunch of songs. When you're writing for a record. Do you have, you know, a theme in mind for the whole project or you just go in and, you know, let's write the best song we can today? Because, you know, there are different artists who have different approach. I'd be interested to know know, how you guys approach it. We kind of, our main thing is to keep it real to us, like the the content, like the lyric content. Um, so that's what we try and do. There's no sort of themes or anything of what we go through. It's just really just keeping it true to ourselves is um, is the main thing. Um, but I have, so, I, I love, see, I love pop country. I love my melodies, my pop melodies. And I really, I, I try sometimes to steer clear of them, but they're just obviously natural to me. And I, I just love writing you know, catchy, I love writing catchy songs. And, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but that's why music's so subjective. And, you know, mm. we can like what we like and hate what we hate. And, um, yeah, I'm just really lucky that we've got fans that still love coming to, love listening to our music. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you go to a McClymont show, you leave it feeling good and you, you don't really go to a McClymont show to, you know, sort of assess your life and your moral compass yes. and, and, you know, whether, no, whether you no, should make that. major we're not changes that. to, you know, what you do yes. every day. Um, That's exactly right. We're not one of those acts that you go, oh, my God, they really had something really important to say. You know, I know there's a lot of songs that touch people in different ways, mm. you know, that we write about. Absolutely. But, yeah, we're not that, we're not that artist. We want people our whole thing has always been we want people to forget what they're doing from their week they've had come to one of our shows forget for the three hours that they come to us please let your head out and have a great time listen to the harmonies whereas we're a vocal group that's mainly what we are and yes we write our own songs but we're, we we kind of take we're, we're pretty light-hearted as well we're you know we're, we're easygoing I feel you know don't take life too seriously but serious enough we're serious about our careers and it's just like come and just forget about your world while you come and watch us. That's the artist I feel that we are. Mm. What would you say is your favourite all-time McClymont song? Of all the ones you've written, uh, do you have one? You know what? I've, I, I love singing Kick It Up. 
I think because that was the first one that went really gangbusters for us. And I love watching the crowd sing it. And they always, when we first walk out on stage, you always have that one person in the crowd going, kick it up, like, kick it up. And you're just like, mate, calm down. It's coming. It's coming. But I do, I really love that. And I think I like that because I love the reaction that the audience just, they just love that song. And that's a no-brainer song. That's the, there's nothing, you know, fancy. There's no underlying stuff about that. It's just literally having a good time song. And it was one of our big ones. And I do, I love House. I thought that was such a great song. Um, and I really love playing that live. I just love the beat of that one. And yeah, there's, there's actually a few I really like singing. Don't Wish It All Away. I get emotional when I see that because if I see someone crying in the audience, I'm going, oh, I was thinking about my kids, even though mm. I'm happy to be away from them most of the time when I'm working. But, you know, it's, I just, I do love the reaction from crowds singing back our songs. It's, it's really special. Okay. Question I always ask everyone on the podcast. If you had one piece of advice to give a, a, a young aspiring artist, what would that be? I'd say be, be, yes, I hate to say be yourself, but I feel like a lot of people like find your voice and stick up for what you want. So, cause I feel like sometimes if you're, it's okay to be different. I've always, I've always kind of thrived off that. I like going against the grain and shocking people and not in a weird way, but just not having to do the norm all the time, really believing that gut feeling you've got going, no, but I know I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. Cause that is a great thing. And there's only one of you. And I feel like there's enough room for everybody. So just really listen to your gut and and if you want it badly enough, go for it. You can do it. Because there's, like I said, there's enough room for everybody in our industry. And I, it's good to be the first one on, you know, starting new waves of things. Because, you know, you don't want the same of everyone else. We're all different. And, yeah, I don't know, just really, I guess, gets a good team in your corner as well. Someone who yeah. believes just as strongly as you do as well. That's really important. And who b- believes in your direction, that's the big one because I mean, at times it does steer, you get off, you know, you can have, okay, I want to go there, but there's times where it's like, doesn't work out, but you can adapt to it too. be adaptable as well. But at the end of the day, if you, if you know you're good, it's one of those, you don't want to sound like you're up yourself, but you kind of, you know what I mean? Like I knew at a very early age, I was like, I can sing, I can do this. And I really love it. And there were so many people very early on and still are so important and helpful in our careers, but not everyone actually agrees with what you have, your thought process and what you do. But if you have even that one person in your corner to, to help you through that, to navigate through that, it's, it can make the world of difference. It really can. It can make or break, but yeah, just, yeah, go with your gut, I guess with, and I guess there was probably more than one there, Tim. Sorry. There was probably a lot of advice in that one. (laughs) The good thing about a podcast is there's no time limits. I know, know, you can say as much or as little as you want. It's all good. Yeah. Look, I feel like I've been chatting so much. I'm probably bleeding everyone's ears. Not at all. Not at all. Very enlightening. Now, Mayhem to Madness, it's out uh, this Friday. It may already be out if you're listening to this (laughs) after it's been released. Where where can you now? I know you you're doing a vinyl release. So how yes. how can someone get a vinyl copy of the record? I'm pretty sure you go to our Facebook page or you go to our mcclimates.net and there's a button you click on that to pre-order. I'm pretty sure we're only making a hundred, but 
if we, because this is the first time we've ever done vinyl, if we do sell out of that, of course, I hope we're going to make, I hope they print more because I haven't even got one yet and I've just got a turntable. Adam got it out. He dusted off. He, we've had it for years. I didn't even know he had it. Anyway, we moved into our shed and I was like, oh my God, we've got vinyl. We've got a turntable. So we're just, we're on the hunt for records now. So we're stoked. So either go through those channels to find through there. If not, hopefully if we get back on the road anytime soon, come and buy one at a live show. That would be great. Is that a bit of an indulgence on on your part to do a vinyl release? It's always pretty exciting. You're not one of these people who who are like really into the vinyl, you know? I love the vinyl. No, I love the vinyl. I'm not. I actually, because they're very expensive. Well, yes. Like and a to, lot of artists do them because they want to put, a vinyl release. No, I've wanted, I, oh, we've we had the record company wanting us to do vinyl from the chaos and bright lost bright lights mm. days. And we were just like, we found out how much it was to be up front to, to buy them because you've got to buy them first mm. up front. Then you've got to sell them. And it was just so expensive. We're like, what if we're stuck? And you know, back then it wasn't really the thing. I feel mm. like it's coming back now. So we've went, okay, we'll do a hundred. If we sell the hundred, that's great, but yeah. Otherwise, you're stuck. It's, it's and especially with the times we're going through now, it's so up in the air with everything. Mm. So, you know, hopefully, I think we've nearly sold the hundred, so there probably will be more. Yeah, and it's interesting. Can. I mean, there's statistics on this about fifty percent of people who buy vinyl records never actually play them. Well, they, I know it, they keep it, them in their case it, it, and yes, just leave them it's looking. Like for, they put yeah. them in storage because <laughs> they're too precious yes. to actually play. You know. Yeah. They might be worth heaps when, mm. like, in like fifty years' time for our kids' kids. Mummy, mm. who are the McClymans? <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, I, I don't think they'll be saying that. I think uh, you guys are household names these days. God love you. Mm. No, we've had a great career. We've been so lucky. I mean, not lucky. We've worked. We've worked really hard. I will say that. Um, and we take our job, you know, seriously. We love it. We just—it's all we do. We don't have another job either. So. Um, yeah, we just, hopefully this COVID thing can really just piss off and we can get back to working. I miss it. I actually miss playing live. Mm, I think we all miss seeing acts like you guys play. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> very hard for all of us. Brooke, thank you so much. It is. Oh, thanks, Tim. That was today. a really great chat. Yes, it was. Now, good luck with this album. Hope it. Maybe, oh, look, maybe we're going to need it. The charts, all genres. That'd be exciting. <laughs> hey, we all need it, don't we? We don't know what's going to happen. But, hey, we're continuing, like I said, we're continuing through it and um, hopefully people enjoy it. And, and when this all is stopped, come to a show and see us and we'll sign it for you. Hopefully we'll sign you a copy of our album. Absolutely. For all the latest country music news and entertainment go to tonecountry.com or follow the tone country cast on instagram facebook and twitter and remember to subscribe to this podcast so you get all the new episodes as soon as they go live and if you love the show please remember to give it a five star rating and even a review that that helps get the uh, the podcast in into more uh, feature uh, positions on, on the platforms. I'm Tim Holland and I look forward to your company next time on the next episode of the Tone Country Cast. Mm-hmm.